On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Stupid shit gets said here. Right. Just the sport takes are pearls. I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Tall Can Audio. All right, welcome back into a Thanksgiving weekend edition of the Tall Can Audio podcast. I suppose some of you people will get it afterwards, but uh, this is one of those holidays. We've talked about it before. Some people are Sunday people. Some people are Monday people. Uh, this year I was a Saturday person, so uh, we we got time. Anyway, we got time to throw down a Tall Can Audio podcast. My name's Matt Robinson. His name's Rob Christie. What are you saying today, man? I'm saying we always got time for the good listener. This nah. is... This is you know, <laughs> the good listener, I said. It's true. The rest of you sort of middle of the road types. Well, on said subject, uh, I've mentioned on Twitter to our listeners the same thing that I mentioned uh, on the final episode of Tall or Nothing, which, uh, which dropped on Friday, um, mentioned that we will have a couple of guests. I'll tee those up here for everybody. They are... Uh, you know, just like we did last year, and I think the year before. I can't remember for sure how long we've been doing this, but uh, a couple of Senators and Leafs tee-up shows this uh, coming at you this week. Jeff Viette from the faceoffcircle.ca will handle the Leafs duties. That'll drop sometime on Wednesday before the Leaf game, and uh, our buddy Graham Nichols from the Sixth Sens will be on on Thursday to tee up the Senators' season. And, uh, you know, I kind of I, I put that out on Twitter, and, and our buddy there, a guy you know better than I do, but uh, a frequent listener to the show, said, Hey, what about us Habs fans? And it's the same wording that you would put. I said, well, this is for the good sends and Leafs listener. I haven't met a good Habs listener yet. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if one pops up eventually. But for now, for this year, just Leafs and sends, man. Yeah. Well, I, hey, man, I'm down with that for sure. How's the Thanksgiving weekend been thus far? I know your dinner lies ahead of you yet, but uh, what's going on there in, in Rob's world the last few days? Well, I'm on top of it. And it's funny for a house that's uh, predominantly vegetarian and there's more, there's more protein getting thrown down this weekend. Then. <laughs> so I am, I'm, I'm today dinner's tomorrow, but uh, I did the, I did the ham today. So that's actually right now resting on top of the stove. I feel like going and just putting a big fork into it and eating it like a Viking. <laughs> um, so the ham is, the ham is done today. I'll slice it up tonight and just sort of uh, not even reheat it. It'll be get served cold, but turkey breast tomorrow afternoon and salmon going on the grill about a half an hour before three dinner meats. time. 
three meats. That is something to be thankful for. So exactly. So you know what? A little bit of everything because this house isn't really vegetarian. It is that pescatarian thing. So sure. uh, I hand, I handle all the proteins. All the other sides get handled by the better half, um, which includes some outstanding cream cheese mashed potatoes. Which nice. Um, oh my god! I could just sit down with the thing and a little gravy and just pound back about, <laughs> t- about 10 pounds of it. But well, that's what the, uh, the season's all about. Right. So, um, we used to have at, uh, you know, at the old family cottage, um, I don't know, there'd be like 22, 25 people sometimes for Thanksgiving, for whatever reason, it became the, uh, the cottage holiday and we'd have everybody up and it'd be four or five families, whatever. And Everybody brought something, right? It was a huge deal. You'd have to, to feed that many people. Yep. But I had one aunt and, and she won't mind me telling the story. Not that I can't imagine she listens to this show, but, uh, she used to bring a ham and eventually one year uh, it came up, we could do without the ham. And it wasn't that anybody didn't like it, but, oh. but it had become like everyone. That's my was, thing. Uh, yeah. Well, that's it. Like that was what she contributed a lot of years and. And it was like, she did a nice job with it. It always tasted fine, but everyone was into the turkey and you've got pies and you've got all these other sides and whatever else. And it, it became a thing, of course, because we're a fairly heartless group that, um, you know, it, it became nobody liked the ham. And so every year afterwards, you'd beat her over the head with the, you know, the, (laughs) it would come up that this, this ham always showed up unwelcome on our table, which really wasn't the. Really wasn't the thing, but uh, that's what it, of course, morphed into over the years. But it just, uh, it almost became an obligation. Like, I got one more piece of meat on this on this plate than I really need right now. I thought you were going to say it then switched to, she started to bring, like, um, brown sugared baby carrots. And you're like, oh my God, I love, the, <laughs> I love these carrots so much better than the ham. No. Mom does the turn up with a little brown sugar in it. That's gorgeous, man. It's, okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. All right. Um, no, and she, so she was always a really good cook and stuff, but somehow she had to wear this for years, the, the shame of the ham. So, well, and, and so what else has been going on as the weekend sort of, you know, it's, I, I was off Friday, so I made it a four day weekend. So I honestly, I, I have no idea what date is. A couple really. of those recently just slacking, eh? Well, and then I threw another one in at Remembrance Day. There's another one in December, <laughs> like, uh, you know, as a. I was forced because we can only carry five days of annual leave. And I know okay. there's people, people out there going, yeah. cry me a freaking <laughs> river with your, but I get, I have 25 days of leave. So, you know, in a pandemic, there's not a pile of leave getting taken. Right. Right. And what so, am I going to do with it? So, so I, what I did in the fall was I just slapped together a bunch of four day weekends nice. and, and someday, sometimes you make that a five day weekend and, and it's really a nice way to, just sort of decompress. You don't do anything, yep. right? It's not like I'm going somewhere, but um, but it's been nice. The local alternative rock radio station here in town has been doing a 90s essential, well, actually all 90s. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's interesting because I'm 17 at the beginning of the decade. You're 17. At the end of it. At the end of the decade, right? <laughs> and so it, it's kind of a nice when you think of, because there's a bunch of shit that gets run through it, right? And you're like, I don't care if for any more gin blossoms. <laughs> hey, or, easy, easy. Or your, that's, or your that's your starting point for bad 90s music. Damn. <laughs> for sure it is, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, hey, jealousy. I could, can we just can we just get rid of that? So, but there's there's a lot of bad '90s music, but I think it gets a I think it gets a bit of a bum rap for uh, as somebody who is like I said, turning 17 at the beginning of the decade. It sort of is the decade where I sort of slide into not as much new stuff, right? Right, where it's the exact opposite for you, right? You're coming into your your sort of heyday. For, for what's new and good and great right. and, and forming your tastes. But going through the weekend, there's 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 certain things. So if I was to ask you for your three mm. quintessential 90s tunes. So you have Smells Like Teen Spirit. Well, this is you. I'm asking for oh, your, okay. person, your uh, personal. I thought you were asking me for what landed at Live 885's top three songs. Oh, no, no, they're, they're not. They're not doing it. They're just. They're just shuffling through a bunch of stuff, right? And so, to me, the I've come up with three tunes that, and, and I haven't. These are from three different artists that I, I've never actually bought any material from. Okay. Right. So, so to me, I'll I'll, I'll grease the wheels for you. Do Matt. it. Do it. I'll, I'll I'll start with. So for me, it's. I think of a tune that is, when I heard it, it was like, that is so different. It was like new. Len, steal my sunshine. <laughs> oh, no, but I love that. I love that tune, man. Of course. Uh, um, no, it's it's Shine by Collective Soul. Yeah, okay. You know I'm to into me, that. To me, that guitar riff yep. was, was new and, and sort of heavy, but old at the same time, right? It had this kind of the melodic singing with this sort of anyways, that to me is so nineties. And also very, you're talking about it being old. You're talking about it being new and, and a little heavy. It's almost for lack of a better term, welcoming. Like it's not a scare you off metal kind of riff, right? Like it, right. you can, you can, you can get into this. If this is kind of your entry drug or entryway into a rock kind of album, it's, it's not right. intimidating at all. Yeah. And to me, it's it's got that sort of really, it's got a little bit of everything you would want in it. And and they indulge on the riff too, right? It's like they don't shy away from it. Yep. You get it again and again. You're like, yeah, I want some more of that. And so <laughs> to me, that was that was super cool. And and it's the kind of tune that you would maybe piss in a beer cup in a field <laughs> while watching it live. It could happen, I don't know. man. Could happen. It could, it could happen. And maybe some of that urine ends up in the front of your pants. <laughs> I have no idea, and I'm not. Uh, there's no shame. No, there's a little shame. <laughs> yeah, a, there may be a pile of shame. <laughs> um, the other one, I, I, "Celebrity Skin" by Hole. Yeah, okay. Me, that is a tune. Like I said, I own no. I, I have no. I have no hole. <laughs> I was. I was trying to. I was trying to. As soon as I got halfway through it, I'm like, all right, I got. I got a couple of holes. <laughs> um, <laughs> One more than I actually need. I'm not sure how that happens. Don't ask any questions. Good listeners. Yeah, exactly. And the other one for me, I think, is Wonderwall by Oasis. Yeah. To me, I I would say, and there's lots of others, right? Sure. It's, it's it's a huge sort of decade. But man, I think those tunes, I go, they are, they smack of so 80s. And, and, and an honorable 90s. Ma- 90s, sorry. And, and an honorable mention to Got You Where I Want You by The Flies. Hmm. I'm not sure and I would have landed there. That's interesting. How about in the meantime by Space Hog? Okay. <laughs> I I think of something maybe like a like a when I come around. Yeah, Green Day. Little Green Day, maybe Basket Case instead. You could swap something from that kind of that kind of generation of Green Day in there as very kind of that launch of 
of that kind of 90s pop punk scene, um, which did become very big at that time. 94 was sort of the year that that all blew up. So um, I think of that kind of, of that, you know, that thing, I, you got to have something grunge, right? Whether it be your Nirvana or your Pearl Jam. And then at towards the end of the decade, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it sort of... Um, that's it, your land. That's your land. Maybe right that's there, where your land lands. Exactly. <laughs> um, it, it's an interesting decade, man. It, it's and I'll, I'll, I didn't really think we'd. Let, well, let's not go any further, man. We we both got. We can stay on this, but what are you drinking today? I have gone out of province today for something I've never had before. This is from Tree Brewing out of Kelowna, BC. Hmm. This is called the Cutthroat West Coast Ale. It's aggressive, man. Yeah, I love the cutthroat, and I could just see the motion across the throat. Um, it's it's nice. It has a little bit of that, um, you know. It's it's a little hoppy right off the top, but it's got a super smooth finish, right? It's 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 it's. I would only describe it as yeah. The first pull, you get that hoppiness, and I'm like, mm, and it just mellows out really nicely on the back end. So I've never had anything from here, right? So. Um, I'm enjoying this. It's nice. It's five percent, so it's not gonna it's not gonna wreck you. Good to go. I've heard of the brewery before. I've never tried anything from there either. I would like. Is this, was this an LCBO find or? No, it's part of my um, my monthly small batch delivery. Okay. Yeah. They've shifted out of province too, eh? Well, I I guess they've 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 shifted around, but mostly it's mostly Ontario stuff. Yeah. Uh, honestly, maybe back in the spring they sent me. A Greek beer. Uh, I, I, it was like it was called X or something like that, and, and it was from Molson. Yeah, no, but it was it was a uh, it was a dark lager, and it came in like a a three hundred and fifty milliliter bottle, but a stubby kind of. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't bother drinking it on the show because I, you know, who wants who wants it was it's actually one of Greeks Greeks, Greeks. one of Greece, one of Greece's oldest, uh, oldest breweries. And so, but it was all right, but yeah. So they sometimes grab some stuff from, from out of province, but mostly try me, right? Like uh, toss something in there every now and then break it up a little bit. It's all right. Try me. You want a piece of me? <laughs> so that's, what's going on over here. What do you got going on over there? Uh, this one is something I think I've tried before, but as I looked back an hour or so ago on my untapped app, if I did have it before, I haven't checked it in before. This is the red ale from the Fenland falls brewing company. Uh, right, like I said a couple of shows ago, and I, I was off it for a little bit, but we're we're back into the central Ontario stuff here as we're kind of working through whatever's left in the back of the fridge. But uh, yeah, it, it's again, it's just a five point one percent out of uh, out of Fenland Falls, and I don't know the the this is the season for your your reds and your ambers and your browns, and we sort of kind of you know morph back into stout season a little bit. So this is the red from uh, from Fenland Falls. I was looking at, um, as, as I was perusing the top shelf of the downstairs beer fridge, I was looking at, um, there was an English best bitter down there. And so, uh, I'm, I'm going to wait for, I'm going to give myself a week out of Thanksgiving and, uh, and, and give that a shot maybe next, next show. But, um, what are you thinking? First poll, what do you got? It's red. Um, <laughs> I don't mind it at all, but, uh, it's almost... When you think of a red beer, this is exactly the taste you would expect, right? It's 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 got that in spades. So, uh, but nothing spectacular. It's it's a bland red, but I'm happy, right? I was looking for a red, and and this is bringing exactly what I thought I'd get there. Um, you were talking about the '90s music there. Let me hit you with this. See if you're interested at all. Were you ever 
Uh, did you enjoy that 70s show? Uh, I bet you I could count the number of shows on one hand. Okay. I, I'm familiar with it. I've seen, I've sort of cruised past it, watched yeah. it for, uh, so I, I'm familiar with all the characters and, but no, I, 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 yeah, I didn't watch a pile of it. So Netflix this week has greenlit a takeoff or a spinoff called That 90s Show. And there are two characters returning from the original, and they are Red and Kitty, who oh. have to be 100 years old, was my first thought. Um, now, I, we did look it up. Uh, Red was something like 76, and I think Kitty was like 72 or, uh, or something like that. They're playing their, themselves, or not themselves, like not the actors. They're playing the same characters they did on that 70s show. And I guess the general idea is Eric and Donna's uh, daughter is coming to stay with them for a summer. And uh, this is set in 1995, and they will be playing <laughs> grandparents. And and we'll see what that's all about, man. But um, I, I, I was so, I've been back and forth on this, because I really did uh, enjoy that 70s show, and it is something I've, I've caught on Netflix a few times since then. I always sort of, it's one of those shows, maybe like most, that you kind of bail out on by the last couple seasons. It's It's lost its... Yeah, yeah. It's luster, it's whatever, but um what I was the reason I asked you if you were familiar was Eric leaves for the last season and then the actor Topher Grace wants to go off. He thinks he's going to become a big movie star and so he's leaving the show. Um and most of the character Kelso played by Ashton Kutcher, uh he's back and forth. He's not on it a ton, but he keeps his foot in the door, but he's just starting his very successful uh movie career at that point and you know, they bring in some other characters to replace the ones, that, and it's terrible. But for a little while, Eric and Donna, uh, the way they write Eric off the show is he's going to go and become a teacher, and you can fast-track your education by going and doing some volunteer work in Africa. So he goes to do that, and that's how they write him off. And I really enjoyed the series finale of that 70s show just in the concept. It was New Year's Eve 1979, which is kind of a neat way to, you know, here's how we're going to write this down or shut this down. And Eric returns at the very end to talk to Donna and he's back from Africa and she tells him, well, things are different now, Eric. And, and this is her character all along is strong, right? She's in the seventies. She's one of these people just discovering feminism. She's yeah, not burning your bra. Sure, man. So she's happy to see him, but weren't you left me, you left me here. You, you, you know, they had broken up. They tried the long distance thing. They'd broken up. He's back. And she's sort of like, I've moved on with my life. And as we land here now in that 90s show, they clearly got married at some point. Obviously, they'll have to backfill that story, and it's their kid that's coming back. But it sort of shits on the Donna character a little bit for finally, all right, I'll take you back. But Yeah. This I don't want to, but I'm going to. They tried already a That 80s show. This was, I think, while That 70s show was still on. It was a whole other cast. It was it was awful. It only made it eight episodes before it got canceled. Uh, I don't know, man. We did the Fuller House thing, right? A lot of, uh, I, I guess they're going for the the nostalgia thing, like we've talked about so many times. Maybe as long as you have a couple of characters carry over, maybe they can pull some people in. I don't know, but I am, I'm, I've been back and forth between. I'll probably check that out. And what a stupid idea. Yeah, and see, the the the, the idea that you're going to probably kick this back to me, and do I have any interest in watching this? I am not, and really. 
Well, if you didn't care about that '70s show, why would you care about no, well, this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's it's really that I've never been a big sitcom. Yeah, that's true. Eh? Period at all, right? And, yeah. and and I and I lived through the Seinfeld Friends, you know, '90s generation into the 2000s, where it's just ah, that must see TV. Right. Uh, maybe maybe Cosby Show and Family Ties, right? Maybe these are my <laughs> <laughs> old man. But yeah, it, I, I've never really been a sitcom. I am, and I've said it many times in the show. I am a live sports on TV. Yeah, I I I love the Food Network. That's right there in my wheelhouse. But it's live sports news and um, movies. I love to. Um, you know, between any of the um, your HBOs and your Netflix, I love to binge television series. Yep. Right, but uh, but not really a sitcom. I, I I'm now with halfway through the second season of The Office. You know. Ah! Okay. See, I, you know me, man. I'm a huge fan. I nobody loved the first season. I don't know how far you into this you are into the second season. The first season is a chore to get through. I'll give you that. Um, well, it was super short. It was only eight episodes long. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know how far you are into the second season, but that's if it's still not grabbing you, that's sort of where it's it's taking off. And you've, you've probably noticed they've softened Michael a little bit. He's a lovable idiot now. He's still awkward. He's still uncomfortable. But in season one, he's very unlikable, yeah. right? Like yeah. everything about him is very off-putting. And, and the network kind of said to them and some of the writers were just – you know, you can't build a long-term series on somebody that makes you want to not look at, like, makes you want to turn the channel, right? Like, you have to yeah. soften this guy up a little bit and change his character a bit. And it worked in the British version with David Brent, who's played by uh, Ricky Gervais. It was only like a 12, and only ever meant to be a 12-episode uh, series. And so you can get away with it. You can have that type of character. But in North America, when you want to build a 10-season franchise Man, people won't tolerate that guy for that long. And so they had to soften him up a little. Right. And and so I'm only maybe, I said halfway, I'm I'm really only probably five episodes in, four or five, and it's longer the second season. And so yeah. um, but yeah, you can tell right away that the, you know, they've they've changed Steve Carell's hair, they've they've sort of done a bunch of things, right? Yeah. And so um, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go, but I'm watching it with a 13 year old okay. who's ar- who's already watched the entire series <laughs> and loves it, right? Yeah. And so it's one of those things where she's like, "Oh, you're gonna love this! You're gonna love this! This is hilarious!" Oh, you're, you're overselling like, it. You can't. Yeah. Well, so I'm like, I'm like, you know, she's like, the the humor is so you. She says, she says this to me like she's <laughs> she's selling me all the time on it, and I'm like, all right, all right, let me watch and. And, and determined for myself. So I, I, it's kind of being balanced by that whole thing, right? Where you're like, eh, you yeah. shut up, please. Right. Just let me be, take this in. Or, or, or be quiet. This is it. Yeah. And, and, and we'll get my reaction. Not like, oh, you're going to love this. No. Okay. Just. Well, and there's always like that. The, the thing about that show is, is Jim is supposed to be you, right? He's the, the grounded character who looks up at the camera when somebody says something stupid or kind of go and and reminds you like it's okay to think this is absurd he's supposed to be the the every man that kind of oh no right like and and the, the little gestures <laughs> and the way he looks at the camera he's like he's supposed to when something crazy is going on ground it 
okay, at least there's one normal guy in this place. And yeah. he's sort of the stand-in for the audience, which is a neat storytelling device. But Yeah. So I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna let it ride, but this is but traditionally I am not a Yeah. I'm I'm not a sitcom guy. Um you mentioned that one of the only things you are willing to tolerate on uh, television these days is live sports. I'm sort of the same, but uh, I got nothing new on the go in terms of shows. It's all stuff I go back and, and rewatch over and over. But uh, we are on the doorstep of another NHL season. And we've kicked this around before and, and how to do it. We've done a few different ways of teeing up a season. We used to do kind of division by division previews. I think last year, the way the season just sort of kicked off out of nowhere, um, you know, we just sort of did the same. Uh, you know, we talked this week about how do we want to do this? How do we want to preview the season? How much do we want to, you know, go team by team? And if I'm being honest with the audience, I, I'm the one who kind of said, eh, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of these division previews and team by team previews. And we're, like I said, we're going to do the Leafs and Sens because that's what our listenership is most interested in. So I think that makes sense to serve that a little bit with, with people that we think bring interesting insights, but we, you and I have to do a lot of work to learn something new about the Columbus Blue Jackets or the LA Kings or, and then to go division by division and have something interesting to say about those teams when really you're just like, I don't know. I'll see him twice a year. And beyond that, I couldn't possibly care less. And there are lots of very good and some very bad publications already out there doing it that you will find more information. in. so I, I sort of pumped the brakes and said, let's try something that's just a little different. Well, it can go anywhere in the league, but interesting storylines that, that you're going to follow this year that I'm going to follow this year. Turns out we had one in common and, and we'll get to that, but just sort of your take when I'm, when I sent that back to you, is that a, you know, a, let's be real with the audience. Was that irritating or off putting to you? Or I, I just, I sort of felt like there's enough of that out there and I, you know, why do uh just yeah. another, that's just another one was sort of my, my take on it. No, as you say, we started out doing a division by division. We'd start out in the West and we'd work our way back home, right? And, right. And so, you know, the, the Pacific Division preview would be 30 minutes and then <laughs> we'd, get, we'd get back to the Atlantic and it would be about an hour and 45 minutes. Right. Um, and, and the reality is then we sort of pared it down to just the Atlantic Division, as you said, where the majority of our, whether it's East Coast USA Mm-hmm. Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, the Atlantic division is, is where the, the vast majority of the listenership comes right. from um, in terms of hockey fans anyways. And so, no, I, I wasn't. There is a lot of, to me, you can go to the big networks or the big websites and they'll have very generic skim along the top sort of previews. Right. You can, you can find some other shit where you go, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Like there's a bunch of people saying stupid shit, and and Which it makes never me. happen here. <laughs> yeah, no, no. See, see, here's the thing: stupid shit gets said here. Right. Just the sport takes are pearls. Agreed. There. Agreed. So I know I I am totally good with with this idea that that yeah we go with stories and it's league wide and it's sort of 
So no, I have no problems with it because yeah, there. I think we all understand roughly how the, at least the Atlantic Division is going to shake out with a couple of you know we can fudge a two and a three and a sure. five and a six and a. But we understand how this is going to go, and so no, I, I like the idea. It's fresh, it's new, it's so tall can. That a boy, man. I, I like that. Why don't we start then with the one that we had in common? Because um, I think. A lot of people are interested in what this is going to look like. And I, I think a lot of people were very high going into last season on the New York Rangers. Um, and the fact that they might take a step. And I don't think they quite took the step that we thought that they might. And it's not like anyone expected them to win the division. But they still had some struggles and they were up and down. But at the end of the season, they had their heads blown up by Tom Wilson and the Washington Capitals, both on the ice and off. Just this, it seems to have shattered them as an organization. And so while you're sort of interested in seeing whether this you know, New York Rangers team with a bunch of really interesting young pieces is ready to take the next step, you're also looking around and go, oh, they've, they've brought in Ryan Reeves. Oh, they've brought in, I think it's Sammy Blaze. Uh, yeah. Barkley Goudreau. Yeah, all of a sudden, they look like a team that it was sort of like the the Charlestown Chiefs approach to the offseason. Like, we'll never let Tom Wilson do that to us again. And if we have to lose a very good player like Pavel Butchnevich to make that happen, then so be it. You're like, to me, that's a terrible approach. But they are going to be a fascinating team this year. What, you know, what was it for you? Um, I don't know if we came at it from the same place, but the story of the New York Rangers this season was interesting to both of us, and that was the one we crossed over on. What was it to you that, that jumped out? They challenged the Chiefs. <laughs> it's, yeah. Tom it, Wilson it, owns. Yeah, owns. O- Tom Ogie Oglethorpe <laughs> yeah. Wilson. It, uh, it, it comes down to, yeah, this is this is an organization where you go, big brassy balls when they went out at the end of the 18 season and said, yeah, we're not willing to scuffle along anymore. We're going to make changes. Some of your familiar faces are going to be gone. And we're going to go letter to the fan base. This is it. This is it. And so to me, you're like, man, in a huge market, you are going to get right out in front of it and say, yeah, sorry, man, we're going to tear down and it may be uncomfortable for you, but this is how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And so they then went out and essentially won the next two draft lotteries. And I know they didn't win when they got Capo Caco, but that they jumped from like 14th to two. Yes. The next year they jump up a pile of spots and get Lafreniere. Yep. And, and you're like, man, look at these guys. They traded they go- away a bunch of. Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, they make a trade to get Adam Fox, who as a young defenseman, unhappy. Was he not drafted by Calgary? Ended up yeah. in Carolina. And then. Yeah. Uh, finally with the Rangers and has already won a Norris in like a second year in the league. Uh, so another exciting young player you bring in. And you're like, okay, you know what? Not only have you rebuilt, but it's now been fast-tracked by not only you didn't suck that bad, yeah. but you've now got a first and a second overall pick and, and you're and you're moving forward. And sign then as you say, Artemi Panarin as a free agent. Well, and it's nice when you can sign maybe the biggest free agent of that season. Yeah. And you win the law. Anyway, just <laughs> so song. many, so many things going right. And a, as you say, 
Fox kind of sucked his way out of a bunch of places where he's like, I don't want to play there. Mm-hmm. They flip his rights. I don't, you know, and then they, fl- so he as a, I believe he's a New York guy, like a Long Island. He's in that area. Connecticut something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then you have this Wilson incident, which is the one where he's pun- he punches Butchnevich in the back of the head as he's lying prone on the ice, which may be the reason that Butchnevich is out of town now. Yeah. Um, if, you know, a helmetless Panarin gets, you know, belly to belly suplexed <laughs> through the ground, right? And, and 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 it's this whole we cannot have this happen. And then you fire your president, your GM, your head coach, and then you make the trades and the moves that you talked about. And you're like, man, you are fucking it up. Yeah. In ter- in terms of the things you're doing, and and you look at Reeves. And like Reeves, I, I believe Reeves is to me is the undisputed. He is the most feared kind of fighter. Now I can't remember where this quote came from. Maybe you will. Maybe it was when he landed in Pittsburgh. He once told a general manager because he was briefly a Pittsburgh Penguin. He said, "I'm the solution to your Tom Wilson problem," and that was at least two years ago. And maybe it was yeah. when Vegas was playing. Um, Washington for the cup. I can't remember, but now he lands in New York again, where they're asking him to be the solution to the top. This one guy that you're going to play what four or five times this year at most has caused you to go off course from what appeared to be a brilliant rebuild. And I think Ryan Reeves, I believe got hurt last week, like busted up his leg pretty bad. Yes, he did. And, And the season opener is Rangers capitals. Whoops. And Reeves will not be in that game. Oh boy. And so to me, that is exactly what is so fascinating is, is John Davidson, who really all he's done is 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 help this team mm-hmm. on an upwards trajectory since he's been there. You know, Gordon and Quinn, and you look at it and go, okay, you, you things are moving so and in 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 a lot of markets opinion unfairly you're like what is happening here big money rangers and and you somehow anyways all that conspiracy theory and then you have one dumbass owner who sort of gets in the way right tom dolan doing nick shit now with the rangers which, (laughs) which which forever people were like how come the rangers seem to be immune to the knicks to the knicks bullshit like and clearly it's because Tom Dolan is more of a basketball fan than right. a hockey fan. And you're like, oh, it's nice. It's nice that he leaves the Rangers alone. But no, he's now got not only his you know, index finger, but his thumb in there as well. And you're like, you're fucking it up, man. It's holding and him like so, a bowling ball. This is it. And nobody <laughs> likes that. No. Nobody <laughs> likes that. And um, so to me, it is so interesting to see how this is going to shake loose. And and you have the added little caveat, which is, is Jack Eichel going to make it there? You know, you had all the BU guys there mm-hmm. and, and, and what's going to happen. But then you look at just this afternoon or last night, whenever it was, they've signed Mika Zibanejad to an eight year extension at 8.5 million. Yep. And he's got a year still on his existing contract. That's nine years. You do not have cap space now to bring in that ten million, in my opinion. Yeah, because so- Panarin also is making over north of ten. Uh, I can't remember what the exact number is, but 
it, they do have some commitments there. You know, Adam Fox's next deal is going to be a beast. Um, it's better have my money. So I, I don't know that they're out of it. I, I'd have to look at their, the Rangers seem to be one of those teams. that's never totally out of it for whatever reason you're here in Eichel and we don't have to go too far down this road. more and more the last couple of days, maybe Calgary, uh, which would be interesting, but I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think this is a team that, you know, they clear out their GM and, and all of this on the heels of, so the Tom Wilson thing happens last year with like a week and a half or two weeks left in the season. They didn't even wait till the end of the season. They were, Dolan was clearly embarrassed or upset by the way the Rangers handled it. Uh, he punched the, the GM uh, who'd been there for years. Jeff Gordon, I can't even tell you how long, it, 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 at least a decade. Um, he's out the door. And all of a sudden you turn to, I think Glenn Sather's still kicking around there as an advisor and they go to Chris Drury to take over as GM. They fire David Quinn, uh, Quinn. They bring in, uh, Joa, uh, Gerard Gallant, uh, to become the new coach. They bring in a bunch of face punchers to work with this team that appeared to be on an upswing in the new NHL. You can, you can still have tough got like. Tom Wilson. You can have Tom Wilson's in your lineup, and if you, he's a bit of a unicorn. There's not like there's a ton of them out there, but you can have some grit and stuff in your lineup. But they almost completely overhauled their whole approach to the season, and all on the heels of this one thing. And it really does feel like they've thrown a a permanent horseshoe or a permanent hitch, whatever you want to call it, into the approach of the New York Rangers. And I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting just because I'm sort of on the other side of the way I think the game should be played. But it feels like this team, and maybe it's just the Butch Navich thing, right? Like maybe that one extra piece, it's not like he's a all-time superstar or anything like that. But he was more skill. Like he was, he brought some more talent to the team and you traded it away in favor of grit. I don't know. It just feels like maybe they've lost their way a little bit. I'm less confident. Do you think the Rangers... Uh, you know, it's a tough division. Do you think the Rangers are going to challenge for a playoff spot this year? Or are they going to kind of still hang around in that five, six, seven area in a very tough division? I was in a 45 man money fantasy pool last year that I finished second in. Nice. And, and almost single handedly, Pavel Buchnevich fucked me. I did not have him in the pool. <laughs> and it's like every time you look, but he's got a goal, yep. a two goal night. Like, and, and, and no matter what happens, no matter how you feel about skilled hockey versus tough hockey mm-hmm. is skilled skills, goal scoring. You can't fix that. Right. And at, at, at high level sports, if I've got in your head, I've won. doesn't matter what happens. Tom Wilson is not afraid of Ryan Reeves. No. Ryan Reeves may punch out Tom Wilson, right? But, but, but it won't be this epic KO and and Tom Wilson's still going to do Tom Wilson things yep. because that is the way that guy's wired. So that is a huge mental win for the Caps. For so sure. as soon as you start mucking with what your organization has done, it's it's problematic, right? Well, and and we'll touch on international hockey a little bit later on. But do you remember that 2016 uh, World Cup of Hockey? And Canada built their team like they're always going to build it. The Americans said in no uncertain terms publicly in the media, we're building our team to beat Canada. Well, you didn't beat Canada and you didn't build a team that could beat anybody else. So see ya, right? Like you can't let someone else be in your head. You got to build your best possible team. Yeah. And and so to me, that's what I'm saying at in, in the top 2%, 
which is what we're talking about here, yeah. you have to go with you got to go with your best blend of of skill and grit and tenacity, whatever that looks like, and let the chips fall where they may. I want talent that can do all these things. But as soon as you start making uh, reactive moves instead of proactive moves, yeah, yeah, and, I and, match and, up better with the Caps now. But there are twenty nine, thirty other teams. But, in the but, but 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 do you right? But right. do you? And so at the end of the day, you're like, I don't care, man. You bring Ryan Reeves in. He's a guy who played on a on a on a Vegas team. That he was a fourth line guy. Yeah. You throw him, you throw him back there, and and to me, Wilson's going to play on your front line. Yep, he's a top like, six guy. Like so, you know what? You do what you want on the back end of your lineup, but if you do not have a guy who can play fifteen plus minutes, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter, man. You can bring in all. Hey, the more you know, ten or less minute guys you bring in to counteract my top six guy. Yep, I win, man, every time. So I'll circle it back to you. Did the Rangers push for a playoff spot or do they hang around in that kind of mushy? Yeah, no, half? man. No, man. They're a five, six team and, and, and they better hope that there's a, and there's not going to be, as soon as I said it, uh, a crossover, they, they will not get a fifth team in this, in this current setup. Right. In terms of, so right. they, no, they, they don't. And, and you're looking at young goalie still, and you're looking at can Adam Fox, can can he replicate what he did last year? And that's I, I, a tall order to ask sure. of anybody. Yep. So no, they don't. And on opening night for Rangers and Capitals, this to me, I'll just lay it out there. These things eventually the fire gets relit and we do the thing. But when you're expecting the big, um, you know, the next time we see you, there'll be every bit the amount of fights and explosions or whatever. Do you expect opening night with those two teams? to be crazy or is this something that gets kicked down the road? I, I guess to put it a different way, if it's available on Canadian TV, are you making sure you're tuned into Rangers caps on opening night? No, no. Yeah, no. And, and, and really so many, so often, so many of those things just fizzle. Yeah. Wet, wet farts. And, and, and it just comes down to, I think they've already, they may have already played one time after that. I, I can't remember. Yeah, they did, yes. Yeah. And so it is. And there was those, some fights and you saw some unlikely combatants in the first period yeah. and then it just sort of died off. Yeah. And so good for you. You're like, yay. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and you know what? I grew up on, on late seventies, eighties hockey, man, where there was shit happening all the time. Right. Per, pre-banning of bench clearing brawls <laughs> sort of stuff right and, and so but my taste in all that's changed and the game has changed and so I, I, I will say though because my tastes are mine I, I like to think they've evolved too I did tune in to the first period of that that rematch between the Caps and the Rangers I, I do want to see what's going to happen here so yeah well and do you want to see two two non-fighters fight no and it's always like, nah. terrible yeah it's, there's hugging and then there's like slapping yeah like there's no way I need to see Kuznetsov doing the bongo drums on somebody's back, or, back yeah whatever is happening yeah. you know what I mean like no it's lame and and I get it if you're the two fan bases and you're like I'm fired up. Yes. I want my pound of flesh. I get it. But to me, there's not enough there to move the needle for me. Uh, so the way that we had initially set this up was we were each going to bring three stories to the table. We started with the Rangers there because we both had them on our list. So you and I each have two more. Why don't you hit me with your first one? 
Uh, I'm, I'm super interested in, in really in a, in a broader sort of spectrum, the goalie carousel that happened in the off season. When you look at the, the number of teams that, that flipped out number one goalies. And I'm talking about teams that will start this season that played in the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Damn it. <laughs> yeah what's sorry, that I, sorry sorry I, I i think of i think i of the vaguely league. remember the yeah, idea yeah, of the second yeah, yeah. round of the playoffs yeah did you play ottawa before that happened <laughs> yes that's a long time ago my friend <laughs> um but yeah you're talking about teams that will start this season with different starting goalies and we're talking about toronto yep. we're talking about carolina we're talking about colorado mm-hmm. we're talking about boston right just the number of goalies who have moved around We're talking about Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin well, Tokarski and Craig Anderson is there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Andy, Andy, I know Andy wants that 400th win so bad, but man, that is when you sign up in Buffalo right now, I remember we talked about this before Curtis Joseph. I don't remember the number. He's like third or fourth in all time wins, but he's also like third and third or fourth in all time losses. You're just like, it it sometimes takes a while to to get there, right? It's you got to play a long time to set either of those records. Paul Maurice phoned in and said, yeah. <laughs> "Hey man, there's nothing wrong with that. That right. just means that just means I'm wanted and needed <laughs> in a bunch of places." Um, but uh, yeah, the idea that uh, Carolina could win that division last year in the realigned divisions, yep. good season, um, and then go. Ah, uh, you know what? Not only do we not want Mrazek and Reimer back, but Nadelkovic. Everybody. You're gone. Everybody out. Yeah. Right? And, and you go. Who's their second? Think- they have Freddie and uh, I don't remember who else uh, they brought in there. Uh, Antiranta. Okay. Uh, you know, if that guy could ever stay fucking healthy. Well, both know. those guys, to me, I, th- yeah, I think. Yeah, that's they, fair. Yeah. I think they have looked at it and went, okay, we're going to allocate like 8 million bucks right. to, to these two guys. And as you're right, Ranta cannot stay healthy. But when he does, um, his numbers are always stellar when he's in the net. Well, this is it, right? And so, and the idea that, that you know, uh, so Toronto, I, I kind of like what Toronto's done. I, 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 Andy Anderson could not have come back. Right. Right. I think that was, he's hit the Laleem moment. <laughs> right. For those in the Senators and base where you go, man, the guy has got a sub two and Laleem, a sub two playoff goals against. Yeah. But you let in those two <laughs> right. fucking new and night goals, and 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 and, and you have <laughs> you have this sort of record of failure is hung around your neck, rightly or wrongly. Yep. And and so we can't bring Anderson back, and so they brought in Mrazek, and they've kept they've kept Campbell, and and I think with the way the Leafs are built, it's good. They're not going to lose because of their goaltending. I I don't believe. We'll wait and we'll see. Sure. Um, but just just all those things, right? And you have the Tuka Rask question in Boston, which is he's got surgery to recover from. They are up against the cap big time there. And they have Linus Omark, who who miraculously has an above 500 career record playing in Buffalo. Yeah, it's good for you, man. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I don't know how that happened. He's yeah. like 57 and 54. Or in, but anyways... And, and Swyman, I think, is the backup there. Or what's wow. the and, and and they're talking about Swyman like like he's going to be the next Ken Dryden right out of the <laughs> NCAA, and he's just going to do it, right? Yeah. And you're like, ah, 
10 games, super small sample yep. size. I get it. He went seven and three in those and has a sub two goals against, but mm-hmm. man, it's, you're asking a lot for a guy who's done his, you know, who comes from Buffalo and an NCAA guy with 10 games. Yeah. I, I, I get Rask is out there on the horizon for a, for a new year. Yep. Free agent signing. I don't discount that. It's, it's interesting. If you look at Boston since that 2011 cup win, how many guys left on that team? Bergeron. Marchand was around already. Yes. That's it, man. Good for you, Matt. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Nailed it. Two, two for two. Okay. Keep calm and Bergeron. <laughs> um, hey, uh, another just 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 flashing back. The Rangers, from the time that 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 letter went out to the to the season ticket holders, mm-hmm. how many Rangers are left on that team? That's a 2018. One, uh, Matt, Nick is the Banerjad. That's okay. it. Wow. That's, That's a fast turnover, man. Wow. This is it. So the, the goalie carousel, I am. Well, Colorado I, to me is interesting, right? They they hung around for a long time. They Last year, or early year, before last year, they had to lock up Rantanen, got that done, and they go into this offseason knowing you got to do Landis Cog. He's the captain of the team. He's a huge part of it. It goes right to the end. It goes into UFA before they finally get that done. And Ray Ferraro and I discussed it when he was on back in the summer. You know, okay, you did it, but it means you can't do your goalie, right? Grubauer is now not getting done. And then the second that Landis Cog signed, Grubauer knew, I'm done here, right? Like, uh, And they go out and they get Darcy Kemper, who's a guy that a lot of teams had interest in. And for the longest time, it looked like Arizona wanted a first-round pick to make that happen just to start. And all of a sudden Colorado loses their starter and has to, okay, that guy is, is reasonably cheap. I believe they got Arizona to keep some of that contract. You tell me, man, I'm not convinced that that wasn't an upgrade in goal for them. If he stays healthy. I, I, you know what it's because Arizona is so out of the way, right. And, and Kemper is down there doing his thing and, and was playing very well. In his, in, while healthy, yes, um, especially not so much last year, but the two previous seasons, yes. right? You looked at it and went, "Man, Rick." And Tonkin. then again at World Championships at the end well, of last year, and then he rolls into Worlds with a not Canadian great. Canadian C squad, <laughs> yes, and and you sort of go, "What's going to shake loose here?" Right, and then he just plays better and better, and at the end of the tournament, you're like, "Man, that guy." As I said to you on this podcast. He could be the third goalie for yep. Team Canada at the Olympics, yep. right? Just in terms of how that how that shakes loose, and yeah, they traded Timmins. I, I can only think of his dad's name, Trevor Timmins, but Connor it's not Timmons. Connor Timmins. Uh, might be f- very good, like still a ton of upside. Yeah, so Connor Timmins, a first and a conditional third, is what they ended up trading. So the price is steep. Yes, it is. Right, but you then because this is a team that has Stanley Cup contention. Mm-hmm. Right, they feel like they are in that four-team mix for the cup, and, yep. and right and rightfully so. Yes, and so you cannot once you sign Gabe Landeskog, you cannot be left without <laughs> with a, Frank Hughes. <laughs> yeah, without a chair, right? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to bring in Holtby. You're going to do right. You know, do what? And so, to me, the fact that Joe Sackick again <laughs> was able to pull a bit of a rabbit out of a hat. To me, that is that's incredible and worth watching, right? How is Kemper going to do out there? How is Morazic going to do in Toronto? 
How are the duo in Carolina going to do Boston? Like to me, there's just all of a sudden Jake Allen is carrying the mail for the foreseeable future in Montreal. Oh, but but see, I love that. I love that trade as soon as they made it. And again, I don't Nobody think Nobody loved the contract extension at the time. That seemed like whatever they yeah. gave it, they had $15 million tied up in goaltending. Yeah, uh, well, and nobody and nobody loved it because at the time you're like, okay, but you've made this now this contract extension and the expansion is still there. Yes. If you know Allen wants to resign and and that's his childhood team, mm-hmm. let him ride a bit. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. anyways, neither here nor there. That is, but to me, they are not a no, the but Le- but the just in terms of the churn, right? That's yeah, 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 yeah. But the Leafs have the Leafs have aspirations. The Avs have aspirations. Mm-hmm. The Bruins are at a spot where they're like, Better "Hey, man, we are in that last gasp, yep. right?" In terms of the changes they've made, and and they're trying to cling to that. Carolina, as as division winners, is ruling into this year with some changes, both in net and on D. Yep. Um, but you're looking at 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 the idea that. These teams that have absolute big picture, you know, playing into May and June, mm-hmm. oh man, going in with new goalies is is fascinating. Uh, one of the ones that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is on the opposite end of the spectrum, the guys trying to victimize these goaltenders. I don't know that it's out of the question that we see five guys score 50 goals this year. And I don't Woo! know when the last time was that we'd have seen something like that. We're going back a very long way, but when you look at the number of, of guys, and you have to do some extrapolating. Sometimes you have to go back a little bit. Last year's season obviously was shorter, but if we start with just Austin Matthews, who I would suggest if he doesn't score 50 goals this year, that would be a disappointment. He put up 40, 41 and 50. No. Oh, sorry. I'm talking the year before. Yeah, 41 in in 52 games last year. The year before that, 48 before the season was cut short. So he was probably going to get it there uh, with whatever Shocked. it was. 12, yeah, exactly. 12 games left or whatever. And he scored 40 in his rookie year. So you look at that guy. Leon Dreisaitl has done it before. And last year, he put up 31 in, uh, in the shortened season. Um, Connor McDavid feels like his goal scoring has taken a step forward, which is terrifying um, considering (laughs) everything else he already does. Um, And, you know, that line, by all accounts, I've watched a little bit of Edmonton preseason, but based on everything I'm reading, that line with Puglia-Yarvi and Hyman looks really good. I said going into that, I thought Hyman would end up playing with Dreisaitl. I thought that would be a better fit. So far, that doesn't appear to be the case. Um, so we'll see what that looks like, but McDavid, it wouldn't, no one would be shocked if McDavid popped off for 50 goals. He also was above 30 in, uh, in the shortened season last year. And then you start moving out to guys who, you know, maybe, uh, last year Ovechkin only 24, but only played 40 some odd games. I assume he's going to start to trend down, but it's not like you'd be shocked if he had one more 50 goal season in him. Uh, maybe Rob Wood, I'm going to hand this back to him here in a second. Alex Dabrinkit has put up 40 goals before and these are you're starting to get into you know your outliers but not impossible he's put up a 40 goal season before and last year he too was over 30 goals uh in a shortened 56 game season um that's sort of based on last year I sort of looked at the guys who made 30 right and then you can sort of do the loose math on what it would take to get to 50 in a full 82 games 
you know, there's there's names out there, man. There's guys out there that, you know, in an era where offense is down, um, at least a little bit, to see there's a lot of names out there that you'd go, I could see it. Like a lot of things would have to go right for all these guys to get there. But I don't think it's out of the question that we see a few guys hit 50 this year. Well, and I think I think you have missed a couple of interesting candidates. Probably. Right? Um, I'm thinking of David Pasternak in, in Boston. Sure. Um, and, and if you look at... How about a John tortorella list Patrick Laine? Nah. I, I get it. It's a lot of rebuilding to do, but... Yeah. Uh, where, but where I'm going is the opposite side of that is uh, I'm looking at Winnipeg and I'm looking at Nick Ehlers and Kyle Connors, right? As, Kyle as, Connors more for me, I think. Yeah. Okay, but but you are looking at, and, and for me what it comes down to is if the league is serious yep. about this cross-checking, yep. is if when you look at teams with top 10 power plays, so to me that's where Edmonton becomes super lethal, yep. right? If you give them more power play opportunities, right, in terms of Connor seems to be more of a pass first guy. So to me, I, I think, you know, 50 is an outside for him. I think, I think, I think an art Ross is a slam dunk yes. for him. I'm just saying, I, I think the 50, but I I'm, I'm putting Leon in for, for 50 mm-hmm. in pen. We'll see what happens. You know, I, I it's, it's, we got the it's, guys it's, down in Tampa point and Kucherov who both seem to be more well-rounded than mm-hmm. pure snipers, but it wouldn't shock anybody if one of them went off for 50. Right, and and I'm not sure Stamkos is at a spot no, now no. where he is, you know, gonna gonna put fifty up again. But he's gonna get his gravy. To oh, yeah. me, yeah. just just through osmosis of hanging out with <laughs> with that top end power play. And so when you start to look at that, and other teams that had top end power plays last year, Dallas, I don't really see anybody down there as as a legit yeah. fifty goal scorer, right? And so Carolina. You know, can Aho hit fifty? I don't think so. Yeah, a very like tough that, division there too, right? The Metro, but. a very tough division, and you've lost Dougie Hamilton. You've mm-hmm. just. I think they're still going to be great. I'm just saying, in terms of when you look at some of those, McKinnon seems like a hundred points, but maybe thirty-eight to forty-two goals, kind of thing. Rantanen, I think, is the guy you look Probably, at. Probably, yeah. Right in terms of which is they also had a prolific power play last yep. year. So that's kind of where when you look at at goal scoring coming from, I think there's a great chance you get four at least this year, but I don't see Ovechkin getting 50 this year. I think, I think we start to see that sort of come. He's, he's injured to start the season right now. It is day to day they're saying, but that's a, it's a lower body injury. If you look at the way that, that they both went into the boards and, and that's a guy who, you know, he's going to get his gravy on the power play. But I just wonder, right? You know, as he gets to be older, five-year deal, freshly signed, off he goes. Yeah, but if you look at his points last year, and yep. you go, ah, I don't know, man. A lot of people getting paid, but I, I just so it's it's a great it's a great question. Yep. I just I I'm not sure. And there's always a surprise guy, like when DeBrincat put up 40 that year. No one was calling for that, right? No one expected that. I I think you look at. Uh, you know what Chicago's done there? They might be a little bit better this year. Now, look, all of these guys got to stay healthy. Got to have some things go your way. Um, but I think I don't think the table has ever 
I think it's been a long time since the table has been set for this many guys to possibly hit 50. Right. Like and, and again, you, we are going back into the traditional divisional yeah. alignment. But to me, it, it does come down to, as you've said, a fast start. Mm-hmm. And to me, it comes down to how long will the NHL stay vigilant on the cross check? Yep. And, and what do the power play numbers look like early? And so the teams with the prolific power plays, uh, look for them to get fat. That's that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's not a bad way to uh, move us into your next topic. You wanted to talk a little bit about the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, I, I think there's there's so much happening there, uh, not all in a positive fashion, right? I, I am I'm interested to see where this off ice story of of the uh, of the assaults go. Brad Aldridge, uh, that whole thing. Yeah, the huge tentacles that reach from the Blackhawks upper management through ownership into other associate organizations like Winnipeg, like Montreal, mm-hmm. right? Maybe down in terms of coach Q in Florida, yep. right? What, just how far the tentacles go. And, and I, I'm, I'm sad to say, man, I, I think this has the feelings of being swept under the rug. Yeah. That would that, be very that, NHL. Yep. That it's just like, it's going to go nowhere. Right. And, and when you have the amount of people and I believe Bergevin and Shovel Day Off were both assistant GMs at the time in, in, in Chicago. Yeah, one was head of scouting and one was AGM or something like that. Okay. So yeah. Both there. And so just in terms of, of how this goes and, and I just, for nothing to happen would be a travesty. Yep. I, I, I think, right. In terms of you, not only in this situation have not done anything about it, you've given this guy a recommendation mm-hmm. to, to, to potentially go on and further assault and an impact other people's lives is well, allegedly it, that's exactly what happened right at the university of Miami. And then at uh, a, a lower a, level in Michigan, a prep, a prep school of some kind anyways, allegedly, as you say, yep. but to me, the fact that this is going to get, and, and again, to me, it's, it's still open, but it has the, it has the possibility to be just sort of swept under the rug. I'll be, I'll be keen to watch that. The flip side to that is you look at what's happening on ice and they've tried to retool, right? When you look at, they were able to pawn off the salary and the player that is Duncan Keith Mm -hmm. and not retain any salary. You flip that on to Edmonton, Caleb Jones as a, as a depth defensive piece, uh, they bring in Seth Jones, they bring in flurry, which again, Again, that guy, the, the the clock has to be ticking on that guy. <laughs> but but to me, the interesting piece, and I was looking through some fantasy pieces, um, hockey related fantasy pieces. <laughs> um, this time, yeah, and it's 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 the it's the acquisition that sort of goes under the radar of Tyler Johnson, who. I'll be interested to see how he gets utilized. I totally and, forgot Tyler Johnson was a traded for Brent Seabrook. Yeah, for sure, man. And and if you look at and they're talking about him sliding in between DeBrinket and Kane, and you go, wow, that's a fantasy sleeper. It's a hell right? of a rehab spot, man. That's- well, this is it, right? And, and and as a team that's sort of retooling and sort of looking at a bunch of different things, I am interested to see what their retool on the fly and Taves coming back. Taves was the name I was just going to bring up after a year away battling a bunch of things. 
is he healthy? What does he look like? I don't think with the style he plays and you know his age creeping up a little bit, I don't think you expect him to ever be what he once was, but is it possible that he's a 50-point centerman again and able to contribute something? I think that's on the table if he's healthy. Uh, that's going to be really interesting to watch. Well, if you put if you put Tyler Johnson in between Kane and Debrinket, and then you slide Taves back into that second line center, I think you are in a you are in a very good spot. Yep. You also got Dylan Strom kicking around there, so um, we'll see what all of that looks like. I wonder what you think. You know, you've outlined very nicely what the off ice issues are going to be and some of the moves they've made on ice. I wonder about the wear and tear of those things crossing over to each other. Every time uh, a new report comes out or the story raises its head or the investigation wraps up, you know the guys in the locker room are going to be asked about it, especially the ones like Kane and Taves who have been there for a very long time. And one of the things that we keep hearing is that that's came out is a couple of the players that have been willing to be quoted on the record, uh, including Nick Boynton and Brent Sopel said, everybody knew. And so that's pretty damning, right? Especially for somebody like you and I, especially when he was coming up and and for me, you know, the world juniors thing and the Olympics thing, whatever. I loved Jonathan Taves and maybe was my favorite player in the league for a long time. And now I, I don't know when you hear that name and I got Boynton and Sopel in my ear going, everybody knew and, you know, the captain did nothing about it. Um, you wonder how these things are going to cross. Oh, it's damaging to a lot of reputations and you got to know as the season goes on and more and more comes out from the off-ice story, it's got to wear on the on-ice guys as it should for the ones, you know, maybe who, who knew about this all along. I wonder what that does to the team too in terms of things to watch coming out of Chicago. You know who is not wearing on Patrick Kane? Yeah, Patrick Kane's already had enough things that uh, he seems to be able to shrug off with no real issue. Yeah, I've I've endured a pile of things, man. Yeah, some I've done, some have been done to me, but I'm good to go, man. Yeah, so you're right. It is the it is the Taves, uh, who is really the only like those two guys. I I can't imagine there's anybody left on the ice. No, on the ice from those Cup winning teams, and so. Uh, it will be interesting, and and you got to wonder, you know, how much that plays a, a a factor in in Taves taking the year off, the fatigue, the you know, all the things that he had going on there. Yeah. I, I I just and and you wonder how much of it is for not in a division where they still may not make the playoffs. I think it's more likely than not that they don't, don't you? Right. They so they they they've they've made these moves. They've they've done all these things on the ice. And it, it may still not be enough, right? And so, well, and I'm now, not as but, high on Seth Jones as a lot of people in terms of the deal you just gave that guy. And right, you know, you but, this could be the moment, as you've already alluded to, that the wheels come off for Flurry. Like, it, it's possible they can grab a you know a third or a fourth spot there in that division, but I think it's more likely they don't. Well, I think it's more likely they're eyeing a five spot in a crossover with yeah. the Pacific, right? Yeah. Well, that's a good point because right. The, Pacific's going to be poo. Uh, my last one here that I had in terms of storylines I'm going to be keeping an eye on has to do with the Olympics and who gets shot out of a cannon trying to make a statement, trying to make a team, not necessarily Canadian, although that will be where we focus most, but just 
you know, maybe I'm an outside shot kind of guy and I know I've got to get off to a hot start. And those guys always come up. When you think back to 2010, a 19-year-old Drew Doughty, 20-year-old Drew Doughty makes the team. No one predicted Drew Doughty was going to make that team. You go back to 2002 in Salt Lake City, Jerome McGinley, who wasn't even invited to the summer camp and someone got injured and couldn't skate, they phoned Aginla up in Red Deer and said, you, you know, we need a guy. Do you want to just come down and skate? Threw his gear in his car and just drove down so he could skate. The, and then there he is on the, on a line with Sakic and Lemieux, I believe, at the uh, with Sakic and Simone Gagne, actually, at the Olympic Games and turns out to score some huge goals. There's always guys who sort of haven't quite yet made their name that have such a good season that they can't be turned away. And I wonder about a name like maybe Nick Suzuki in Montreal. Uh, I wonder about a Thatcher Demko. Could he steal? I think most people are expecting John Gibson and Connor Hellebuck to be the pair uh, in goal for the Americans. Could Thatcher Demko get off to such a good start that he grabs one of those two spots? In Toronto, it's a little bit different. John Tavares has said publicly it would mean the world to him to do this again. He badly wants it. To me, he's sort of a bubble guy that eh, some guys have him on, some don't. He's going to have to have a hot start. Uh, There's a bunch of guys when you look around the league, and it's mainly on USA and Canada because a lot of the European teams, their guys are going to make it just based on depth. Like that's You're not to slag anybody, but they just, that's the way it is. Um, But I, I just wonder, man, there's always a name that comes fired out in that first year, gets off to a, or not first year, but first half of the year. And has an amazing start. And I don't know if they're necessarily motivated by the Olympics and that's how it gets done or if it's a coincidence and because they're playing so well, they make it. But there's always a name or two who gets in that no one predicted. Well, and see, to me, and, and I'm not sure, to me, Debrinket is another one of those yep. guys who who I look at going for early season success. Connor Brown. Connor Brown. Yeah, no, that's a far... I, I get, look, I get it's it's those guys, Connor Brown and Zach Hyman. Unlikely, right? But we've done the Rob Zaminer thing before, right? And both of those guys are more talented yeah. than he is. He had a killer year last year, better than anyone expected, and a killer world championships. Yeah. I don't expect Connor Brown to make the team, but if we get to January and he's put up already 18 goals and you look at the things he does, could he make himself into the conversation? I don't know. Well, maybe, right? Maybe. I look at the goal. He, well, he didn't even score it. Formanton scored the goal on Saturday night. But you look at the play oh, that Brown, <laughs> that Brown made though. Like yes. to me, that is, that's all on Brown. That's just, yeah. Formanton's got a stick on the ice and he's like, all right. But that is driving hard to the net. And that was a hard pass across. Yeah. And and that's how in, in, in 2021, that's how you're going to beat an NHL goalie. Is, is making him move laterally and not giving him the option. Well, and we and did, like, just to, to kind of follow up on that, man, like, we've done, uh, the Rob Zaminer thing is a shitty thing to say, but but it happened, right? We also did uh, Chris Kunitz because he knows how to play with Sidney Crosby. Could Zach Hyman make it if he's clicking hard with Connor McDavid and maybe you make that align with maybe Mitch Marner, who's also played a pile with, like... That's sometimes the way Hockey Canada does this, right? Like, we know you fit with these guys. You're familiar with these guys, so we're going to do it. As opposed to just the, you know, maybe there is a more talented guy than Chris Kunitz was. 
but we know this will work and we can use you here. Hyman could kill penalties. You can play with a couple of your top guys. You just never know, right? If he gets off to a killer start, maybe. And and, and really that's what I was going to come down to is if you look at Zach Hyman, who I don't know where he came from in junior or where he was, but a less, a less heralded guy, I don't know if I can find. Yeah. And you go, oh, I get to play with Matthews as a rookie. Yes. <laughs> and then I get Matthews and Marner. And then as a Tavares free agent, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get to sign. And I'm going to be the guy who, who, who retrieves pucks, plays down low for, yeah. for Connor McDavid. You go, I found myself a, fucking, a niche right here. And you go, I, I have... I have parlayed the things I do really well, mm-hmm. like it, to, to, to steal, to totally steal from a basketball thing. When, when Kawhi was, uh, was a Raptor and he's, and they talked about, you know, board men get paid. Yes. And you go, yeah, well, Hyman is that guy. Yes. Hyman is the board man. Like he's the guy who's <laughs> the, he's like, I'm going to do these things. And they are so vital to elite players. Yeah. Well, Kunitz so, got himself an Olympic gold medal for doing that. Yeah, and, and, and this is it. And you go, and Connor Brown played with McDavid yep. as, a, as a junior, outscored him in his final year of yes. junior, right? <laughs> Whatever that is, right? And McDavid missed 15 games. But all I'm saying is, is those are guys who you could sprinkle in your through your lineup, and, and Brown would be an absolute 13th forward-ish, yeah. yep. right? Who is a guy who is going to kill penalties, who is going to be great in the in the transition? So, yeah, I, I agree with you. And and to me, it's more more than Team Canada. It is what is going to happen with Team USA in right. terms of of I, I think Canada. You have a couple of spots that are open for super hot starts. Well, there seems those- to be a consensus top nine, and then a bunch of yeah, maybe. And that's where kind of Tavares fits in. Um, Braden Point for some reason seems to be in that group instead of in the locked in group. Barzell is going to be in that kind of, you know, there, there's a lot of names that are going to, you know, if if Barzell gets off to a crazy start, why wouldn't you have that guy on your team? But he doesn't seem to be in what the media is presenting. He doesn't seem to be locked in yet. Like all right, and you look at you look at another guy and talking about Barzell, you look at Anders Lee, yeah, in terms of Team USA and mm-hmm. what's going to happen, what's going to happen there, right? This is a guy who's had. His preseason has looked pretty good. Yep. And so to me, I, I think the early season is going to be much more impacted on Team USA than it is on Team Canada. And I'll be interested to see what the echoes or the ramifications of the Olympics are as we move forward on teams like the Leafs, but more importantly on teams like Tampa Bay, who who used to be okay. Apparently William Nylander, not even good enough to be invited to train. Oh, I know. And, and, and it's, 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 it's so delicious. And I, I don't got time for that. And, and I'm sure you and Michaela can talk about that on a love in show at some other point when Rob's not involved, but um, I get it. Something's happening over there with, oh, honestly, uh, man. with the Trey Kroner. I, I get it. Is there 30 players in Sweden better than William Nylander? Seems I find unlikely. It, I find it hard to believe, but there's got to be something, right? Yeah. And that and that clip lost uh, on Saturday night in the Leaf Senators game where they were saying 
asking Nylander, when's the last time you, you know, killed the penalty? And, and he's laughing and he's like, oh, I don't know, but I missed that meeting and I fucked up and oh, I'm getting what yes. Last year, the only time they even looked at it was in a practice. And most people thought it was a punishment. <laughs> You're going to get in practice because you work harder, obviously, as a penalty kill. Out you go, man. And so, yeah, they punished him with PK duty. And now I guess they're willing to. I, I don't hate the idea, man. I, I'm willing to take a look at it and, and see, put some skill guys out there that just, because you keep seeing it with, guy's got no fucking finish to save his life, but like Mikheyev just grabs it and rushes it down the ice. Well, that's just as valuable as a blocked shot or a, a whatever. Of course it is, man. So, that's valuable seconds off the clock. Right. So, I don't know. Give Willie a look. Why not? I, I, I think that patented Willie button hook as he enters the zone, <laughs> that could kill it on a penalty kill, right? <laughs> Will on the kill, man. Will on the kill. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be. Is there a name or two for you? You mentioned Anders Lee. Anyone on the Canadian side of things that you could see maybe getting off to a hot start that that propels them into the conversation or maybe right onto the team? Oh, I, I, there's nobody that comes screaming off the list at me right now. Yeah. But to me, but to me, it's on the defensive side. It's on the defenseman side. I think you're right. Is is where it we're going to look really at. unsettled on the blue line. Right. And so to Which me, makes, leaves me unsettled, it's right. unsettling. And, and when you look at your, where do your, when you start to pencil in a couple of guys, but you know, where do your Parecos mm-hmm. and these sorts of things, you know, Shabbat and Riley, like these guys Those who have been the two for me that for a long time I've been keeping an eye on. And after last season, I don't know whether I would have had either of them on the, right. on the team. I think they're going to need a good start. Right, and Shabbat to me is a guy who, judging by what I've seen up until now, and that's including this preseason, yeah. uh, probably not. I don't, you know, as as a Team Canada fan, I'm not sure that he's on my team. But right. but when you look at the Petrangelos and you look at the Dougie Hamiltons and mm. you look at the Macars and and these sorts of things, and you sort of build it out from there. What happens as you as you progress out from there? And so I'll I'll, I'll be interested if there's any kind of people who are looking for. Solid starts. It's on the it's on the defense core. John Tavares, an Olympian for you? Uh, on the wing, perhaps. Yeah, fourth line left wing is sort of where I see him maybe slotting in. He's he's going to need a hot start. That's it. He needs to he needs to look like himself in the first half. But I don't think he's anywhere close to a shoe. And most of the talking heads seem to think Mitch Marner is in. You know, likely more in than Tavares. Right, a, a better shot at it. And and I mean couple of straight years of being pretty near uh, top five score. Yeah. So uh, you can see it. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is people are crapping on him and it's fair to crap on him after a couple of bad playoff performances, but a lot of people you can tell are missing the point on Marner. Marner doesn't get scared and shy away or whatever. He squeezes his stick and he forces plays that aren't there when it gets tough. And you can easily make the argument that's not better, right? Like you don't want to see that from an Olympian either. But it's not like those moments overwhelm him in a sense that, you know, he starts fumbling the puck away and he won't go into the corners and stuff like a lot of people seem to want to talk about. It's he tries too hard and he, he tries to do it all himself. And, and what again, you can have a really um, honest and, and fair conversation saying, I don't want that on my Olympic team either. But it's not that he shies away. It's it's almost the complete opposite of that, which causes well, some problems there. Well, here it is as a non-Leaf fan. Um, what you're looking at is Mitch Marner can also kill a penalty. Yep. And you are asking him to play, in my opinion, further down your lineup. Probably. 
the pressure is taken off in all those situations. And so to me, absolutely, Mitch Marner is 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 on my team and yeah. he comes on my team before John Tavares does. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting season, man. There's always more storylines that develop. There's plenty more out there that others will have uh, thought of that maybe we whiffed on or, or didn't find as interesting, maybe more likely. Uh, we thought of everything, folks. We just decided these were the most interesting ones. Um, anything else as the season fires up on Wednesday, man? Uh, anything else you wanted to hit on on this one? Not for me, but yeah. just just to me, I guess, on this Thanksgiving weekend, when you when you think about what it is that you're thankful for. And I guess, I guess ah, as we ease towards the end of the pandemic, I think for me, it really comes down to what am I not thankful for? And I, I can't, I can't think of too many things. So in a pretty good spot, right? So I'm just thankful for most things. All right, man. Very generally said, we appreciate that. Uh, I'm with you. It's, I think we've, um, Ultimately, we're sitting in a pretty good place. We're not in a great place, but we're not in a bad place. We're, we, we've done reasonably well here. We seem to have things largely contained. Um, and, and if you haven't yet, if you're still kind of on the fence, if you're go get vaccinated, it'll be good for you. It'll help you out. It's going to help a lot of people out and, uh, we'll do that. Uh, if you still have your Thanksgiving dinner out in front of you, we hope you enjoy. If it's already behind you, hope you're enjoying those turkey sandwiches that always, uh, hit just right a little bit after dinner. Um, and, uh, if you're not catching this until Tuesday, uh, sorry, your long weekend's over, but it's going to be a good week. Stick around on Wednesday, Jeff Fayette, uh, from faceoffcircle.ca. We'll be here to talk about the Leafs on Thursday. Graham Nichols, the sixth Sens, will be here to tee up the Sens on the day of their home opener. we got lots of hockey talk still to come, plus Michaela returns this week as well. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Audio. Rob is at Captain Blowhard, and we will see you all next time. See ya. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.